Podcast 99. Another episode. We are all back together. Josh Evans is back with us. Welcome back, Josh. It's good to be back. All right. And it's good about- to hear the episode with me not being in it. it was oh, kind yeah. Of funny. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the first time Parks ever listened to uh, an episode. How, how about it, uh, Parks ooh, Miller? Never, never again, man. I'm just going to say my part. I can't listen to myself. Uh, I don't know. I just cringe at the sound of my voice, but here I am just talking into a microphone yet again. Once again. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very uh, important day. This is a big episode. We're back on the official timeline. This is uh, officially day two, part two. Um, we, we did kind of digress from the timeline a little bit, but we're back. But before we go into today's subject, a uh, little update on the the new Woodstock, the upcoming Woodstock 50, still no lineup. Still no lineup. Yeah. Still no. Well, f- he said he said February. I thought I read February. Okay. I, so. I, I don't know. My theory is that things are already going wrong. Yeah, it's like classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. they're like, oh my god, like no one wants to play this. Jaw rules like, oh, hop on that shit. Because yeah, uh, right. you know he's he's he, <laughs> Jaw Rule loves a good festival. As uh, right, we we learned uh, we we've got a couple messages from some people asking. About uh, the fire festival that there was recently two documentaries released about the yes. uh, the now defunct uh, fire fest, which was right. You know, it, it, in the media when it was happening, and uh, even a little bit in one of the documentaries, they kind of relate it to like a Woodstock '99 thing, um, mm-hmm. or just like kind of. Well, this is like another chapter in the long history of festivals going wrong. Yeah, but I don't think that the Firefest really belongs in the same category as like an Altamont, a Woodstock '99, and any of that stuff. Because um, at its core, I don't know. Did you guys watch them? I haven't seen it. Does it actually happen? I, I watched both of them. Like, does, does no, people I mean, people just showed up. Yeah, right? people go, but but yeah, there wasn't a, a festival. Right. Yeah, and the whole thing was really at its core, just like kind of like a Ponzi scheme. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's more of like a Wolf of Wall Street kind of a story uh-huh. than than like a, a a Woodstock '99 disaster story. You know? Absolutely. And we were te- we were like texting about it, and I, I for me it was very interesting. Not in that it it didn't go it didn't go south the way uh, Woodstock '99 did, but it is. I I recommend uh, I actually recommend the Netflix documentary. I watched both of them, but it is fascinating to. Uh, because it seems very apparent that the founder, Billy McFarlane, just knew it was going to sink the whole time and just kind of was hanging on, trying to set up new schemes to pay for his old schemes. And right, which so is a Ponzi, fa- yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, it didn't... There was no, like, injury or death, and it wasn't really that serious other than just the fact right. that Right, people lost their money. He's going to prison for fraud. But again, at, yeah, at its twenty six million, at its core, oh. it's not a disaster story. It's a yeah. it's a it's a fraud story. It's a it's a right. white collar crime story. Um, right. But we, I, we will be doing a, a full Patreon episode covering the fire festival, uh, just for you folks that really oh, yeah. want to hear the the culture dump team's uh, take on it. Um, you know, so so we'll be doing that in the future. But back to the uh, the issue at hand. Fellas, this behemoth. This the behemoth is. Of this is. Are you ready? Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. This is our ready? third time trying to record this episode, and I'm not saying trying yeah. to record. I'm saying this is the third time we have recorded this episode. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it's honestly, it could have been a lot worse because today is a legend episode. Okay, so we're gonna be talking about one set, one legendary Woodstock '99 moment that we feel deserves an entire episode's attention, and it is Kid Rock, the Kid Rock set at Woodstock '99. Yes, yes, Kid Rock. yeah. So it's it. There Still was, making. There's news. been worse sets to to have to have talked about as much as we've talked about this one or watched it. I've watched it probably 15 times. I've now. watched it a bunch. I've seen too. it. I've seen it so many times. It's it's still a good view. <laughs> it still uh, holds I up. I want to say, <laughs> I, it still holds up. I I I do want to give a quick shout out to my friend Jace in Athens who uh, showed me this uh, performance, and that was a huge part of kind of holy shit. 
we should do a podcast about Woodstock 99 because just in this one performance, uh, just, I don't know, so many, what's the word? Incredible things happen. So <laughs> what's the word? <laughs> the word is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of like jaw, just jaw dropping like, wow. Okay. Oh, oh, fuck, fuck. Like the whole time. Right. So yeah. Shout out to Jace. Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, still, still never met the guy. Uh, one day, one day we will watch Kid Rock set together. It will be my 16th time. Um, so this is fucking exciting. Yeah. Let's so get into this. it's day two. Uh, we're it's we're on the east stage, the main stage, the money stage, and it's about one fifteen in the in the afternoon. That's when this set time was slotted to start. So you know, imagine in between the window of one fifteen one thirty, this thing is 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 starting. It's an hour long set, and it's really fucking hot out there. But you know, day two as a whole would prove to be the most violent day as far as the music sets went and the mosh pits went. Um, and while the festival itself won't completely implode until the end of the next day, it becomes pretty clear to everyone in attendance that they were in kind of like a pressure cooker that was just waiting to blow. Yeah. Uh, and to have this set, I mean, the only other person to play on the main stage so far was uh, Tragically Hip. So it's been a pretty mellow... <laughs> <laughs> mellow day out there uh but it's about to get crazy because you know they say the early bird gets the worm but in this case the early morning stone pimp will get the worm <laughs> so yeah but be, be, yeah it's a really early the set one, for, yeah the worm in the bottom rock. of the tequila yeah well <laughs> yeah watching kid rock i mean at that early in the day is i guess well, I mean, everyone's already drinking hard sick. and shit yeah, and like doing a, drugs. I mean, they're probably like ready for it. They're like, oh, God, thank God, because I am wasted. It'd be like a NASCAR race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're in it for the long haul. Yeah. So Kid they, Rock is me the musical equivalent of a NASCAR race. <laughs> right. And also, you know, I mean, he, he was just coming up in a huge MTV sense, you know, at that time. He wasn't like, like his, he was riding off of his first big smash through album. But before we get there, we got to go all the way back. To 1971 in Romeo, Michigan, where a young Robert James Ritchie was born. Yes. So that is, uh, that's his real name, folks. He wasn't born Kid Rock. He became, Robert Ritchie. Yeah, he, which is a pretty sick name anyways. Bob Rich. But he was born into a fairly affluent family. His father, Walter, owned several successful car dealerships. His family lived on a six-acre estate where little Bobby would spend his time playing and picking apples from the orchard. And growing up, he listened to a lot of classic rock and country music uh, through his parents. But as he reached his early teens, he became fascinated by hip hop and soon began break dancing. His dancing is what led him to becoming a DJ and eventually the pimp ass MC that we know him as today. Uh, but it's interesting that he came from Detroit because Detroit has a really deep hip hop history to it. And it's super rich and it's really misrepresented because the three biggest acts to have ever come out of Detroit are Insane Clown Posse, Kid Rock and Eminem. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing they have in common is that they're all white, uh, which is, you know, very interesting. And again, you know, Detroit's rap history goes as far back as rap history itself. So it's it's just kind of. A, a, weird. a side note that those are the three that <laughs> managed to make it out and two of them would play at Woodstock. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And, and the roots, you know, they reach as far back as the start of Motown. Almost every Motown records release has been sampled in a rap song throughout the years. Um, several rap heavies cite Motown as being incredibly influential in the formation of Detroit area hip hop. Um, there's a documentary called The Untold History of Detroit Hip Hop, and that tells the story really well. That's where I got a lot of this info, uh, this backstory on Kid Rock, because there's not too much about him um, as far as like, a, like in his true underground days, like real footage and people yeah. that that he was friends with that didn't find. get famous with him. You know what I mean? And that's what makes this documentary uh, so interesting. Um, so it, it, I mean, but in Detroit, it all started in like the seventies and eighties. There's a huge funk movement that would eventually evolve into the hip hop scene. That's where a lot like the dancing is what bridged the two really. And right. it was never, Detroit was never really considered a hot spot for hip hop during the first wave of it. Uh, most of the bigger acts in Detroit opted to stay local rather than try to make it on a mainstream platform. And that led to fierce local competition, but also a really tight sense of camaraderie. Yeah. Like if you were, rap was big in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you were accepted into the scene, then like that was it like you, you you were in you know what i mean um but it was hard to kind of break through that especially as like a young you know scrawny white dude kid rock you know robert ritchie from romeo not even from detroit he would he would 
travel in um suburbs yeah exactly this he's suburban music um but you know one of the biggest uh, outlets for new talent to make a name for themselves was through public access shows and most of the early public access shows in detroit that were music based were very reminiscent of like soul train where it was funk bands and people showing off the new you know dance moves and eventually again that would go into break dancing and then eventually emceeing and uh there had never really been a white rapper before in the scene uh except for this guy danny k he's trash who yeah who is not good uh and didn't make it out but he opened the doors for people like kid rock icp eminem um you know there, there was others after him but that's really the first and so kid rock was invited to appear on the most popular public access rap show that there was at the time called the black man show and that show was like I mean, if you watch videos of it, it's fucking crazy. Everyone has guns in the camera and everyone's drinking 40s and smoking weed and talking about gang shit. And it's like late 80s, you know, so it, it's it's uh, it hasn't that kind of lifestyle hadn't been commercialized yet. So it just comes across really fucking shady. Um, but uh, the host of the show, Black Man, a.k.a. Black Man Disco Dan, would eventually go on to be one of Kid Rock's first DJs. And uh, Kid Rock, he became associated with a crew called the Beast Crew. And they didn't really know what to do with him because he could do a little bit of everything. They knew he could rap, he could DJ, but he was white, he was scrawny, and he really had to prove himself for them to be like, to feature him. You know what I mean? He was always one, like a guy on the stage for a while right. with them. And then eventually they're like, okay, let's give him a verse. And then that led into him just being the guy and Kid Rock doing his own well, that's thing. That's how he got his name, as they said, you know, that, that kid can rock, you know? That kid can rock the <laughs> turntables. Yeah, that can kid can rock. But yeah, and his, his popularity grew, and, and he eventually became rivals with Detroit's biggest underground rapper, Esham. And Esham is fucking sick. Super Shout out influential. To yeah, he is the creator of the wicked shit. Uh, he, you know, was famous for including a bunch of satanic imagery and lyrics, you know, just describing depraved, violent acts and, and sacrifice and things like that. And uh, in that documentary I mentioned, he, Esham's interviewed in it, and he claims that he invented white boy rap. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is is true. I mean, you can totally hear it in ICP. You can totally hear it in the early Eminem stuff. Yeah, they, ICP actually talks about Isham a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and Violent J actually just played with him in Detroit. Yeah. It would have been fucking. Well, he was on Psychopathic Records for a well, bit. Well, they were supposed to go on a tour. They were supposed to come yeah. to Atlanta, and I heard that Violent J and Isham could not get along, and uh, they canceled that tour. This was like two weeks. Well, ago. I know that he he was kicked off of psychopathic records because they thought he was like too wicked <laughs> he's too psych he's, he's too, too psychotic wicked, for dude. psychopathic <laughs> records dude yeah. the, dude truly like the Marilyn manson of, of rap uh yeah, and, yeah and so icp though they were coming up at the same time as kid rock and they had asked both isham and kid rock to appear on their album carnival of carnage uh they had paid isham 500 dollars for his part so kid rock after learning that demanded 600 dollars, claiming that he was the bigger rapper bigger by 100 dollars worth apparently uh and but yeah, when kid rock arrived <laughs> <laughs> but when Kid Rock arrived to the studio, he was so drunk that they sent him home and he had to come back the next day uh, to finish his thing. But his Detroit reputation would soon be tarnished once he signed his first record deal because Kid, like Eminem, ended up with a huge record deal that would pull him out from the Detroit scene and put him on a mainstream pedestal. And not only that, but, it, you know, apparently from, from what other rappers that were around him in Detroit had said was that when Kid Rock was brought in for his first big meeting at Jive, one of the A&R guys had asked, is there anyone else that we should be listening to out there? And he said, no, focus on me. And so everyone kind of hates him for that. But yes, gets signed to Jive and releases his first album, Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast. Yeah, that one's pretty. Uh, that one's a good time. I think you should check that one out if you get the chance. It has a pr couple of pretty funny songs on it. The biggest song would be "Yodel in the Valley," which uh, is probably my least favorite Kid Rock song, actually. But um, it means it just means eating pussy, basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yodel in the valley. Yeah, it's basically it. But it's yeah, the whole album's like you know just dirty, classic hip hop. You know, heavy samples. Uh, classic drum machine sounds uh heavy, and, on, heavy on sex rhymes yeah sex rhymes yeah, yeah and, and i think at the time uh black man was still his dj and he's he's like on the album cover like it's like yeah, a cartoon yeah. album cover and that's he the is. last time they worked together i believe yeah uh, there's better songs though there's like 
genuine article new york's not my home pimp of the nation my personal favorite super rhyme maker yeah <laughs> pimp of <laughs> yeah. the nation but speaking oh, of pimps though super rhyme maker was actually produced by too short who is a bay area legend as we all know and um he actually toured with him and ice cube who ice cube played woodstock 99 yeah uh, alumni family uh, connections yeah, so, there so then after that uh he releases the album the polyfuse method on continuum records and that's in 1993 so we're getting closer now but still early on and his first album did pretty decent i feel like in sales but didn't this yeah. one flop of the earlier ones i would say like that one sold the most um the third one was probably the worst i think that one was like 10,000 copies but um polyfuse method like he said, 93. This is on Top Dog Records. Um, this is where things kind of shift from like the classic hip-hop sound to the more like rap, rock sound that he became known for. This is where his like, trailer park pimp daddy persona started to really blossom. Um, Mikey <laughs> blossom. Clark. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> Mikey Clark helped develop this new sound um, by adding guitars, flutes, live drums, and stuff like that to the mix. There's actually a song that samples uh, Simon and Garfunkel and another one that samples the, the Smiths. <laughs> which I thought was really funny. I gotta yeah. check this out. I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine like a, it's uh, you know, like a mopey like folk song. It's how soon is now, right? How soon is now? Yeah, yeah, yeah the that's Smith the song. One. Yeah, the only like sampleable Smith song. Yeah, uh, and I think right. that that's that's the song. I want to say that's killing brain cells. That's a pretty. That one has a music. <laughs> that one has a music video that's pretty silly. Uh, there's a song, Prodigal Son. Um, one called Three Sheets to the Wind. And uh, this one's good. It's called Desperate Rado. <laughs> and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it has these like ICP vibes. But uh, he also says something that's really interesting. He says uh, if, in the chorus of the song, he says, if it's alive, I'll fuck it. Which is actually like a pretty gnarly standard <laughs> yeah. to have. That's a really gnarly standard. Think about everything that's alive and Kid Rock would fuck that. Yeah. A praying mantis, yeah. a, a yeah. plant, a shark. A a yeah. dog. Uh, a dog. A Venus oh. flytrap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A someone, kid. Someone in a, someone in a coma. Kid Rock yeah. fucking a kid, man. Uh, That'd be some shit. Kid Rock, dude. So then he releases, uh, this is going to be my uh, favorite album title of his, The Early Morning Stoned Pimp. And uh, that one was on Top Dog Records. I believe the last one was on Continuum. Or, or Continuum? Continuum, yeah. And uh, But this is 1996. What's on Early Morning Stoned Pimp? What's going on with that one? I don't know, but I mean, the album, the album title is pretty good, but the cover looks like dog shit. Let's just go ahead and put point that out. What what does it look like? He's just like, looks like he's laying on like a hotel bed and black and white photo with like a guitar over his lap with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he's just like got a wife beater on in the bed, like <laughs> right in the next yeah. track you know, on the road or something, you know? Like, he, it doesn't he really scream in out uh, in between pimp. cities. Yeah. Well, the kind of, it screams out pimp reality. You know, <laughs> yeah. May, well, that maybe that's his. He's going for the grits, the grits the, the, sandwich, the grit you know? stuff. But uh, well, it, this this album, um, this is actually where because we're gonna get into the set. This is actually where um, he introduces uh, Jimmy Bones Trombley, who was the uh, keyboard player for the Twisted Brown Trucker Band. Damn, so, Bones. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, Epic Jimmy, J Jimmy, Jimmy. And the Twisted Brown Trucker Band would—that's the band that Kid Rock toured with for a very long time i'm not sure if he's still, still it, oh it's still the, his band? it's the same people dude. okay yeah i mean awesome. this band this so, band is why this set is so good right you know? no totally it's not just a dj like he's got a crazy band right yeah. and this album I, I forgot to mention this too he, it actually uh he distributed this one himself okay so so his top dog is this that, is another that one of those ones that you can't like really find wood. unless you go on youtube for like licensing purposes or reasons and stuff like that but I, I'm pretty sure it was only it only sold like fourteen thousand copies, um, which is not bad in nowadays. <laughs> but yeah. back then is a total fucking flop. Uh, but not yeah. to worry because then came Devil Without a Cause, which was uh, well, we didn't talk about any of the songs. Oh well, what 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 what, what do we got on early? What do we got on early well, we morning? Have, well, we have, okay, we have two songs that I would say are pretty popular now there's a song paid which is on that cd that you have the uh, compilation the history of rock is that right what it's called? Yeah, yeah 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 that one's that's from the album's early morning stone pimp and then the, the song my name is rock which they i think they do at woodstock 99 yeah oh, yeah they, yes, do, they do yeah oh, so yeah. yeah third album song and now we uh yeah we go into yeah we're there the, one, the one that he, he, uh he said, the one that did it he, said, the one he put that his really, foot down he put his foot down he was like, yeah, yeah. we got to sell millions of records this time around. 
And he fucking with sure did. Yeah, Devil Without a Cause. That's the one with Ba with the Ba, Cowboy, uh, Only God Knows Why. Yeah. Uh, all of which were were huge selling singles. It went platinum like several times. I want to say eleven times. Eleven times. <laughs> Fourteen million albums sold. That's fucking crazy. And actually, it went platinum uh, before Woodstock '99 even happened because, well, we'll get to it. But he he proves it um, at one point. Yeah. So, but it was released in in the summer of '98, August of '98. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, then so he just he had toured a whole year of just. Being everywhere, he toured you know? relentlessly. I mean, at yeah. the time of of Woodstock, he he uh, was on tour with Limp Bizkit, and this was like a stop on their tour. And also, there is a Patreon episode that will be available all about that tour, uh, the Limp Tropolis right. tour. And you know, just to say, it is really odd to think about now. I don't know if we cover. I don't think we covered this in the Patreon that he. Because Limp Bizkit, I mean, they did have one successful album, but they were sort of seen as like an up and coming act. But Kid Rock was touring in support of Limp Bizkit, even though he had already had this like huge selling album out for a year. So it's kind of interesting where it almost seems like Kid Rock should have been the headliner. Should have played later. Yeah. And I think that that might be why he even plays so early in the afternoon is because there might have been like a clause, which I think we talked about in the Patreon, where it's like, well, he's still he's still technically opening for Limp Bizkit at Woodstock. So right, yeah, Limp they Bizkit can't put him at like after, six yeah. o'clock, so he can't play, and that might be why he's playing so early. Right, and yeah, and you know he was he was new on the scene, like on the MTV mainstream platform. He was a he was kind of the the new face, but you know that that album that he was riding on, Devil Without a Cause, had that big smash hit, Ba with the Ba, which like no one had ever heard anything like that before yeah yeah, yeah. no one had ever heard that combination of syllables like yeah <laughs> actually i have here, it i have a i have a treat for everybody i have a i have this interview that he did with dan rather where he he actually talks about how that song came about so uh let's, let's listen to that well the song bow it a double <laughs> and i got it left the record like show Fred i got Flintstone. it out i got it out of this ball with the ball <laughs> <laughs> well how did that come about that was an accident. Uh, it was actually, you know, something, uh, the ball with the ball, the bang, that part, which kind of took from an old school rap thing, which with a little more research we found out came from like the 30s and 40s when guys were on the street corner, they called doing the dozens. You get smoke, get smoke, get your eggs, a ball with the ball, the bang, a bang, 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 and the rappers are making cash money with the ball, with the ball, the bang, and I'm doing this heavy metal rap. And this song went through like three different phases and so I just started screaming that kind of hip hop, 1940s, I don't know what you would call it, doing the dozens type thing over it and started layering it with, with semitones of vocals. And it came out to be this Gregorian chant of some sort, which meaned absolutely nothing. The lyrics mean absolutely nothing. There's little things I hit on in there, but I don't know what the hell I was talking about. I was doing a lot of bad things then. My mind was going all sorts of directions. And I didn't know what to make of it. And then people, there's songs where I'd go like, that song is really good. Like that song gives me goosebumps. It gives me that tingle, it's the it thing. This song was just like, damn, this is just weird, man. I don't know what to think of it. And people were coming in the studio going, dude, that's a stadium anthem. Gregorian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, how many genres of music did he reference? Thing. Oh my God, that was amazing. He talks about forty street slang, Gregorian chant, heavy metal rap music, yeah. and then he and then he even admits it's all for gibberish. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty genius, <laughs> dude. It's uh, I love. He's really exhausting, like everything that he knows about in the in explaining that. He's like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, in the forties, se semitones, and Gregorian chants, and semitones, and <laughs> it's just like, I okay, what else that. I got? But uh. It is an anthem, so let let's let's is. let's jump into let's jump into it. We got Brother Weiss coming out, our our, our raspy voice friend coming out uh, onto the stage to introduce the introducer, uh, which is you know Woodstock routine at this point. But uh, when he comes out, he he mentions that a guy has a uh, a blow up doll <laughs> like yep. with him, and and you know talks about oh every you know. He's having a lot of sex with that thing or whatever. And then he, he introduces a guy uh, named Paul Cusimano uh, from the hit show Fraser. We're just going to play it really quick. Just the, the Brother Weiss intro just to get you into Woodstock really quick. Get you, get you into the mode. 
Woodstock, day two. I'm, I'm glad to see this guy over here brought his date for the pay-per-view. A lot of sex going on with Plastic Woman over here. A, a local guy, a local guy who has made good, a native of Frankfurt, New York. He's from the Emmy Award TV show, Frazier. Say hello to Paul Cusimano. Paul Cusimano made good, Frazier. Hey, fucking guys on a rock, man. The hit show, Fraser. Yeah, Paul Cosimano. I uh, tried to do a little research on Paul Cosimano. And I don't know. I went on like IMDb, Wikipedia. Like I couldn't find anyone except for like one guy who's <laughs> like maybe was like it said like Paul Cosimano like played a waiter on like one episode. So like I don't like I don't I might be missing something big here but like I don't think he this guy was like a huge part of this show like I don't know how He might not have even been on Fraser. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like after we were watching like this whole mystery tape thing like this might have been part of their like attempt to like bring locals <laughs> into the Woodstock. You know, we got Paul Cusimano from Fraser's Deli over here. <laughs> like, it is not like <laughs> I it's think not who he just, thinks it's not who brother Weiss thinks it is he, go, he goes the hit the hit show fraser uh, fraser's deli he just like mixed up his cue cards <laughs> or whatever. and this guy like because he doesn't have any kind of like he's so awkward and you can hear like people kind of booing him and stuff oh and yeah it's like he not does not happy. have command of the stage at all it's just a no. really weird thing and I, I don't think he reappears in any of the other pay-per-view like some no, of the other you know they were like hey we're gonna yeah we're bringing in the big dogs now buddy we got Vern Troyer slated to come up uh to introduce bands we don't need Kuzumano but right. uh so before the band walks out though like the after Kuzumano you know he introduces them uh almost gets booed off the stage basically they play this record uh which is like I believe it's like an old National Lampoon album track but it's like basically the definition of the word fuck and in the early days of like internet flash animation and stuff, you would always see like cartoons of it and stuff where it's like the word fuck <laughs> oh, yeah. can be used in many ways. And everyone's kind of laughing. It's super fucking 90s. Like it's, yeah, a, it's, it, it's like a middle schooler's like, this is the ultimate thing that your parents don't want you listening <laughs> to. It's like three straight minutes of the just saying fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. E exactly. It's and like, then it's like a Dane Cook album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then at the end, it's just like, fuck you. And then everyone goes crazy and the band fucking walks out. And uh, it's also worth mentioning, by the way, that the band decor or like the stage decor includes uh, American flags and a giant inflatable bottle of Jim Beam. But band comes out, starts with Uncle Cracker, who is Kid Rock's DJ. Yes, the same Uncle Cracker that would have uh, some one hit wonder fame <laughs> yeah, coming but, his way. A little, a little after that, Kid Rock threw him a bone. He came moment. out with like a country album, I believe. Kid Rock, man, he just spread country like a fucking disease within his own band. Uncle Cracker's like, damn, like, <laughs> I'm stuck behind these turntables. I want to write a country album. Uh, but right. he comes out, and then the band, they all come out. They're playing this, like, fat jammer, you know what I mean? Building everything up. They're classic all kind of... rock, some classic sauce, you know? Yeah, definitely. Getting everyone amped. Uh, no sign of the kid yet, you know? Uh, in right. the crowd, you can see a giant inflatable T-Rex being crowd surfed, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much that thing cost just for them to lose it. Because, you know, right. it didn't come back yeah. to them. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that this this intro serves a couple uh, smart moves in that first, I think, given the like some of these sets we've heard just had like really terrible sound. And so I think that this might have given them like a slight like a little moment of like everyone playing before Kid Rock comes on where like their sound guy can kind of tweak everything. Yeah, it's like a, Because yeah. one thing I'll say about this set is that it the sound fidelity is like up there with like 
Sheryl Crow and Bruce Hornsby. And you would not expect that coming from Kid Rock, but like it sounds really good. Uh, and the other thing that it does is it does like this James Brown kind of intro, which James Brown also did, where it's like you have the band play before the main talent comes out. And I know that he's like kind of doing that as a reference to James Brown, but it's funny because his is like way more entertaining than James Brown's. Like yeah. it doesn't have like his wife doing like four songs before, yeah. you know, like it's short, yeah. sweet and it, and it just, it gets you excited. No. Yeah, definitely. And then if that wasn't enough, they drop Ba with the Ba, the sample and it's, it's swelling and it's building up. It's swelling. It's, it's, it's swelling, dude. It <laughs> is swelling. up in there. And, and you, you can like, feel a change in the crowd even though the intro song was a jammer they're like okay now it's fucking time to get Crank real yeah let's turn it up and it, and it starts getting crazier and and and, and then you know it's, it's it's swelling that's all i can say about it but kid rock walks out in a fucking full length to his ankles fur coat with a fucking hat and a cane smooth right. smooth we're even though have, it is probably have to a, give him a be best dressed nomination for sure for oh, sure completely not only is kid rock up for best dressed uh, along with everyone else in his band they're also up for best in show overall um yes. i i would best have to dress, say but but maybe worst facial hair yeah <laughs> you can't, <laughs> can't win them all <laughs> you can't win them all but the biggest like i have it written here the biggest bitch job of woodstock 99 uh is this guy that runs out on stage with his like headphones and his walkie-talkie, and it's his job to give Kid Rock a new hat, which is red, uh, which matches his outfit, and take the fur coat, cane, and white hat, and then run it back off. His thing that he was waiting for, his cue was like, okay, run out, get Kid Rock's fur coat, make sure it doesn't drag on the stage, get him this new hat. But when Kid Rock puts on that fucking hat and Ba with the Ba's going, he starts doing the swell move, like he's going back and forth looking at the crowd, yeah, sizing dude. it up, and everyone's getting fucking amped. And then the only fucking use of pyro thus far in Woodstock 99 happens when he fucking screams out, Kid yeah. Rock, yeah, fucking the dude. Real quick though, I like I like this the biggest bitch job of Woodstock '99 as like a because uh, there's another there's a couple I can think <laughs> it of. could be another award uh, category. Honestly, I think so. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I like have, where this I is have going. Someone coming up in our next Legends episode who I think has the biggest bitch job. Yeah, you'll remember the little tribute to Hendrix. We'll get to that. Oh later. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Because, I, oh because I think I think that this guy. Yeah, it does seem like very demeaning, but it's, that's the that's the classic plight of the little guy. It's like you need someone to do it. Kid can't drop. If kid just if he dropped that coat on the ground, think about it. That's, His kids aren't going to do that. So yeah, so like you gotta. It sucks that someone's got to do it, but someone's got to do it. And I think that I don't know. It's I think it's admirable. Yeah. Well, you know. And, but, but yeah, it's anyways, a he's gone it. now. That, 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 was <laughs> yeah. his, that was his moment in, in, in the fucking spotlight because once he's gone, that fucking shit drops, the fucking pyro goes off, and then the whole crowd, you have like a corn ocean pit happening at 1.30 in the fucking afternoon. You know what I mean? Right. Where like heat is definitely getting to its peak. Everyone's already wasted. There's a ton of gropes that you can see happening th throughout it's more this like entire corn set. at Jacksonville Beach, I would say. It definitely, yeah. There's definitely some some Florida vibes going on. Uh, <laughs> it might just be the facial hair on Kid Rock. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, you know, they 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 play that song. Uh, they're going into the, the next song, which you know he plays these really long renditions of his songs that sometimes will reference another song, like he. he like, for instance, in, in this one, like the second, third kind of song blending together, he says, give me some metal. And they start playing some ACDC a little bit, like live sampling it with the band. Right. And the band, yeah. we should also mention, does not have a bass player. They have a keyboardist. Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Jimmy have, Bones. The, yeah. They have yeah, two guitarists, a drummer, keys. a DJ, and a keyboardist, which is yeah. uh, kind of unique and, and cool. And probably, I mean, dude, we've been hearing a lot of bass problems uh, in a lot of these sets. So <laughs> maybe yeah. it, it was definitely for the best. Um, but... After that ACDC drop, he Kid Rock tells everyone that he has somebody he wants to introduce them to and brings out the legendary Joe C. Yeah, real quick, oh, yeah. though, RIP to Joe C, man. Yeah, Rest Joe C is no longer with us. It's sad, man. He uh, he died of uh, celiac disease in 2000. Which is like the gluten intolerance? Yeah, he was taking up to like 65 pills a day. It was on constant like watch. I mean, that people didn't really talk about that. Nowadays, you hear about that. 
condition all the time. And yeah. you hear about it. It's a different time, though. Right. Taco was, Bell didn't even glute, have a fresco He was gluten-free, you know? man. <laughs> or he, I guess he wasn't. Maybe that was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do these pills have gluten? Uh, but anyways, yeah, he's no longer with us. And he is truly, him and Vern Troyer are the little people of the 1990s. Uh, rest in peace. And they were guys. both Absolutely. at Woodstock 99. Yeah, rest in peace both to both of them. A uh, lot, of, lot of entertainment there. But Josie is on the song Devil Without a Cause. And he fucking has the classic line, three foot nine with the ten foot dick. And the whole crowd knows that. That, oh, yeah. uh, not that he has a 10-foot dick. They know the lyric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Big middle school moment of just knowing that that existed in the world. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned uh, before like a 90s checklist that, right. that this whole set has. It starts with the definition of the, the word fuck doll. thing. Blow yeah, up doll. Fuck. Um, the pimp imagery. The pimp, just being pimp, a yeah, pimp, pimp was imagery. just such a like, 90s thing in my mind. It was like, I mean, I know pimps were big in the 70s. And that's when it, you but know, diff- superfly. Yeah, but like, yeah. There was such a resurgence of pimp in the 90s. You don't right. you even really hear people rapping about pimps anymore. Like, now. right. They so had a, they had a little guy. Uh, they, um, an, another thing that they've done so far is, well, DJ with fucking rock music check. Uh, also on Kid Rock's album, like the actual CD for Devil Without a Cause, it's a middle finger. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of middle Yo, fingers yeah. coming, so we'll middle we'll keep fingers. track of these these <laughs> yeah, little blips on the actual CD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you got it from Walmart yeah. edited, uh, it was just black. It was just blacked out. Um, <laughs> yeah, <fuck laughs> dude, do yeah. bands still make edited albums? Like, I think like can you Walmart, go to like Walmart yeah. and get like fucking like the Lil Wayne album, like the, whatever the new rap? Probably. Shit is? Like, yeah, you that, probably can, but yeah, it seems damn. Yeah, I want to do a whole. Advice- a whole Parental DJ set of only clean albums. Deal, you Parental know. advice. Parental advice. Yeah, you had to have the sticker. And so then yeah. before the next song uh, kicks in, Kid Rock, he yeah, asks for a beer in the middle, which is cool. That That's something no one else... You, you really <laughs> don't see too many people that are playing at Woodstock, like, getting fucked up. You know what I mean? Even, like, some of the crazier bands. No one's really drinking on stage. Mm-hmm. No one's really can doing that. Can I get that. a beer? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Can I get a beer? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then uh, at that point in time, Joe C. takes off his baseball shirt that he's wearing to reveal a t-shirt that's handwritten on it. It says, uh, I'm not a fucking midget. Yeah, he actually mm-hmm. wore that on, um, well, I guess he didn't really wear it on there, but Celebrity Deathmatch, he was wearing the that shirt. It was a match between Eminem and Kid Rock, but Joe C. won. Yeah, that's right. Josie, yeah, in the end, <laughs> much like in life, he was he was the true winner. But uh, before the next song kicks, kicks in, Kid Rock, he, he gets a little soulful, a little political. Uh, and this is a big 90s checkmark. Uh, it's, it's also one of the funniest things that anyone has said on the stage thus far. So let, let's check out Kid Rock getting real with the crowd. I swear to God, every record I ever made was blood, sweat, and motherfucking tears. Now listen close. Yeah, I talk about bitches and hoes, and because of that, a lot of people think that I can't stand women. But that's bullshit, because to hate anybody in this world just ain't the fucking way I'm living. No, I ain't into being all political, saving the whales, or telling you to go see a goddamn shrink. I'm in the trailer parks, Pabst Blue Ribbon, and fucking Top Shelf Mixed Drinks. You want me to get political? Well, this is about as deep as Kid Rock thinks. Monica Lewinsky is a fucking hoe, and Bill Clinton is a goddamn pimp. Now, a little message to all my motherfucking beautiful people in the house. The early morning stone pimp, I'm gonna break it down and let you know what I think it's all about. Next time somebody comes up to you, they want to argue, fight, scream, and shout, just look the motherfucker dead in the eyes and simply tell them, you want my balls in your mouth. (laughs) All right, so 90s checklist right off the bat, we've got (laughs) saving the whales. Like first, like saving the whales, which a big thing. You've got the Bill Clinton, like Monica Lewinsky thing. I don't know, does is there's the Howard Stern just like, Yo, my boy the- Howard Stern. Um, there's just like so many things here, but the biggest to me, which I just I have you know wanted to take a little time out to make a, an interesting rant about the Clinton Monica Lewinsky thing, uh, because you know that was a humongous like '90s moment, and 
I did like just recently listen to this like full podcast just about the Clinton Lewinsky scandal and being someone that kind of was a kid in the nineties. And like, my concern is like, I just want to like play on the playground. Like, I don't really know what's going on, (laughs) but you hear about it all the time. So like, honestly though, like the way that kid rock is just like, yeah, she was like a hoe and he was a pimp. Like I honestly kind of like, like there was so many like jokes about it on like late night and everything. And like it, it really was like portrayed that way. And for such a long time, I was like, Oh yeah. Like, I guess like, it was really cool that Bill Clinton did it, but right. that yeah, exactly. like what a terrible person. And like, I was listening to this podcast and where I was like, and this is something where it, it is interesting. He's like, this is as political as I'm going to get. And it's not really like political necessarily, but just how differently viewpoints on certain instances like this happen. Whereas now when you think about it and you think about like workplace harassment, you're like, this was yeah, an terrible. intern. This is an intern. She's like 24 years old. And her boss is like, the most powerful person in the entire world. And so like, yeah, technically on paper, it's like consensual, but it's kind of like, it's like not really. And it's like, it was yeah, pretty like well, messed up. It's not really like, it wasn't really that's, like cool it, of him. No, of course. It, was, no, it definitely <laughs> was not cool of him. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't pimping. It like, it wasn't pimping, you know, no, it, like, but that was such the, the, the mentality of it at the time and that just dominated culture as you know, and it's right. obvious even just through the audience itself, you know, everyone's like going crazy cheering for that. And it's funny now. Cause like now like ho is like almost like an owned word. Like you have like Amber Rose's slut walk and stuff where it's like, ho is life. Like I'm a fucking ho. Like right. she's like that. But like to, if a guy was like, dude, I'm a pimp. Like you're a scumbag. Like the two words have right. like totally exchanged power. You know what I mean? Right. Like now pimp is like the shit fucking person word and ho is like this empowering like lifestyle movement yeah uh, which but i is- think the way that i think that people respond so positively to it that directly ties in to all the groups we've seen and you know just the entire the reports of like sexual assault and all that stuff i think that like the two mentalities like definitely go hand in hand so it's funny that he kind of like he's like oh i'm not gonna get too political but then, like, he really does say something. Drops a bomb. That I, was, I, I, I would say he's he's got his middle finger on the pulse of America. <laughs> so, yes. Oh my God, that's. <laughs> but well, yeah, then, it's just super nineties. Oh, he also grabs his crotch. Oh yeah, say, grabs his what, crotch. What, grabbing your crotch was a big dude 90s power move and you don't really see people doing that anymore <laughs> and it's not like a michael jackson grab it's like a fucking like adjustment grab yeah it's uh, kind of like it's just trying to make the itch look cool or something i don't know i, I, don't, I don't know, know. but he, then the song he, i feel like he just needs to let his nuts hang man well the song they play right after that is what balls in your mouth oh, oh right God, well that's the yeah, the, yeah. The, so and that's when he, i he think like, after he mentions howard stern like is the guy? I guess he got that quote from him. Oh, like, right. okay, yeah. Well, yeah, like, he does the ni- the other nineties thing where he does the blowjob face with, oh, the, yeah. with the, the tongue the and the cheek. Face. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and also uh, on the subject of oh, blowjob motion. Go see motions. a shrink. Oh yeah, he talked. Yeah, calling he's... your calling your therapist a shrink <laughs> is so fucking nineties. Oh totally. Okay, so I mean, they're just like it's just Latin with these things. Shrink. Like, cause uh, yeah. their drummer Stephanie, she does the blowjob when like in Baba Daba. I think he says, "If you don't like Kid Rock, you can suck my dick." Well, the camera mm-hmm. is like on her for the Megatrons, and she like, uses a drumstick like a dick, like uh. Uh, so there, there's been two, but yeah, then they play that song where the whole message is basically like, you can say whatever you want to me. Uh, you know, my ex lover I'm speaking to here, uh, but it doesn't matter because I, you had my balls in your mouth is, is the, is the deep message behind the song balls in your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it is one of his, it's like one of the harder ones to enjoy because it like ball to ball. It's nonsense. It's fun. Balls in your mouth is kind of like, yo, fuck you. Like I'm, it's like the, I listen to that verse. He's just running around like. He like has sex with some girl and then is immediately like tells all his homies like yeah. Yeah, running around I think that, doing I it. I think it's that song like, is actually on um, Polyfuse Method. It's definitely it it's an earlier cut track, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's but an earlier one. He plays some, some earlier stuff. It's essentially yeah. a slut shaming anthem. And oh, it's it's awful. Yeah, but here's the and, thing: and Kid it, Rock it, has the most profane lyrics. Uh, he's at least in the top three, and it would it would be between Kid Rock, ICP, and DMX for who had the dirtiest lyrics at Woodstock 99 
Right. Uh, I, I mean, Limp Bizkit doesn't even come close to no way. <laughs> some of this stuff. They didn't really cuss that much. But I do want to say the one Ice thing cube. that is interesting, again, just the last thing about the whole political thing is it's interesting because now a lot of people, don't, you know, Kid Rock's last big hit was, you know, the all summer long or whatever. Like, it's been a while since, like, people now kind of think of Kid Rock more about, like, his political affiliation. So it's kind of he's like, this is as political as I'm going to get. And it's kind of like, nah, you kind of like, that's like your main thing now is like, yeah, he was at the political. White House with, with Nugent. Yeah, chilling. Right, chilling with, Nugent uh, and Trump. Yeah, with Trump. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> well, but, dude, but, 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 and but he's just like a straight up country guy now. now. Right. And he's well, he like super it, country. He played Obama's so it's so inauguration, weird. though. He, yeah, no. Well, that's what. Uh, okay, again, I'm not yeah. trying to like. I'm I'm trying to make a complex picture of the kid right now because it's just like he's doing this like country thing. You feel it. It kind of seems like his base is like really like right wing now. But you had this guy like who came essentially completely from rap music. And what I will say, what I've noticed is his lineup is like his band is you know, kind of like one of the most diverse lineups of Woodstock 99. You've got Joe C, you've got this little guy, and then the drummer, Stephanie Uhlenberg, who we have to give a big, like, MVP award to. This is a, a black she rips female up, drummer dude. who is just completely crushing it this entire time. Yeah. She still performs with him to this day, I believe. That's She's awesome. amazing. Yeah, she, she kills She's it. so awesome. Yeah, she does like, like crazy shit too. Like she like works with like, like she's like using like a sampler and stuff and yeah, like playing like with one pad. hand and like adjusting levels and and shit like that. Yeah. Um but you know, as the as the set continues, so he does that that big that big track and then the camera work and like the pay-per-view really starts to hone in on the crowd a lot because there's so many boobs being flashed d- during it. And Kid Rock like really had a reputation for being like kind of a backstage animal you know what i mean like in the classic like motley crew like metal sense you know what i mean he was right. all about the backstage partying and he and, said he and could sex party persona. keith richards he would say that in multiple interviews that he could yeah like drink keith richards under the ground or something yeah so he, he he's going for it uh and you know at, there there are a, a few pretty gnarly early morning gropes but it's not like when you see like well, like what we saw during corn set or there's, there's some of the other like kind of nighttime ones. Um, again, it, it is early, but you do see a lot of dudes with their dispo- like disposable cameras, like reaching around, like b- breaking their neck, trying to get pictures at like these crazy <laughs> angles. Yeah. And uh, Joe C actually gives a few people in the crowd water too. He like, like hands off water bottles to a security guard, like a saint the saint that he was. Uh, oh. But then they also throw out the inflatable Jim Beam bottle and that's never to be seen yeah. again. Um, and then Josie also says something about kind bud, which will yes. not be the first. This is the, there are multiple instances of kind bud being said into the microphone at Woodstock '99 to yeah. hilarious effect. <laughs> well, Josie, uh, yeah, he, he he says to everyone, if you have any kind bud, uh, now is the time to light it up. He announces that it's it's 4:20 in the motherfucker, and then which it's not. It's it's not it, no it, it's like one forty five, uh yeah. but hey, it it's, is somewhere it, it's four it somewhere somewhere yeah oh no okay. definitely I do want to say so I did see Kid Rock when I was in like ninth grade now this was at this music festival in Atlanta and at the time I was like not about like I was trying to I think like the Pixies played and like Lou Reed so like that was like I, you know I see like this cool indie music or whatever but we we're like me and my friends we went to like smoke weed like in the Kid Rock at the show in the crowd <laughs> and i swear like i felt like we like it was like we were surrounded by cops like everyone <laughs> was like staring at maybe us. maybe it was just good us, bud like, and you were just super high and paranoid no i, I mean yeah i also was like a kid like just like a little scrawny kid just running around but i swear everyone was staring at us while we were smoking at the Kid Rock. Yeah. Show. Well, the Kid Rock now, you know, even in like the last, I, I would say like 10 to 15 years, that the Kid Rock that he has become, I relate to like, he's like the Brett Michaels of new metal. Like he's totally yeah. turned heel and is now just like, like I'm a country dude. Like I'm fucking, you know, care about the country. I got, I got views. Like he plays his whole, like the whole venue system that he used to play in, like all these arenas and everything. Now it's changed and the cities that he stops in have changed as well. It's not all the big major stops. It's, uh, you know, secondary stops, casino, kind of, kind of stuff like that. It's for, it's for a different crowd. It, it's definitely for a different, not weed smoking, not appreciating Joe C's blowing weed smoke in their face crowd. 
Um, but Kid Rock did, did has. Did Kid Rock? Did he lose his roots? Did he lose sight of his roots? No, I just think? think he. You know, he just he just did it. You know he's, what I mean? He, he did money. it. Money's cool, I guess. Yeah, he he did it. He, ch- you know he I mean? changed his roots. <laughs> I think that he like is now he like is like I'm from the south, but he's like from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, totally. no, he's from Romeo. Like, but and doesn't he do something? Doesn't he play? He plays a little Skinnerd, right? Or he plays well, the well before they even play the song. Then the, the next song, he like Josie mentions that it's 4:20 or whatever. It's time to smoke, and then. Kid Rock talks about Josie for a second. I just want you guys to hear what, what how he describes and kind of introduces Josie to the crowd once more. He's not a midget. He's not a he's not a hippie. He's not my son, but he likes to smoke a lot of fucking pot. I'm just a little motherfucker. Josie? Yeah. What are that, ladies? You show the world them beautiful American titties. That's what you do. Alright, I think it's time we take it back and play some motherfucking true red-blooded American rock and roll southern blues music right now. I'm just a little motherfucker. Like, it makes me think, because, like, I feel like that's a, a part in the set that Kid Rock does at every show where he has Joe C come out. He's like, he's not a midget. He's not my son. And I feel like that's just to clear things up backstage. Like, so he doesn't have to deal with all the, the same questions backstage. He's like, all right, let's get one thing, a right. couple things straight here before we party with you later. And I have to hear all about Joe C all night. But uh, right. yeah, so for you folks at home, no, it was not his son. He's just a little motherfucker. Oh, because wasn't that a thing? Like when he first met Joe C, it was like at some club late at night. And Joe C was like, man, I want to like rap with you. Like, I want to like, I want to be part of your crew. And Kid Rock was like, like who let this like little boy <laughs> who's like who's the terrible parent letting this kid like this little boy into this cl- nightclub at like two in the morning so yeah but you know look at him then he played fucking woodstock 99 you know what i mean he took a chance but then they go into a cover of fortunate son by ccr because kid rock says it's time to play some american music some so red they do bl- that some true red-blooded american rock and roll yes yeah to to be exact and they Which actually play it, like his really mission good, yeah. statement for like the for his now career i would say is like just kind of stuff like this but yeah it's a great cover it's like a really solid cover i love that song and he does it justice that's why we're kind of focusing more on on what happens in between the songs for this set because like the set itself is good like like we said like it's up for best in show and there's like a lot of really good people that played you know what i mean regardless of the stigma around woodstock 99 there was still really big huge selling monumental acts there and uh it, it's good you know what i mean it, it's I mean, it, yeah. so it's there's he, really he, it's nothing to shit on there he, he he's really focused on entertainment and that's the way the set is designed and that's why it's it's really fun to watch Right. Even if you think he's an asshole or whatever, like it's really fun to watch. Right. And and he, you know, he ends up grabbing a guitar at one point and he can fucking throw down on that shit. Uh, he'll he'll come back to that later. Um mm. also in the pay-per-view feed looking out at the crowd, you can see one of the sound towers and it has this like handmade shitty sign attached to it that just says the Alamo. And it kind of just makes you wonder about like the mental uh status of the people inside the alamo like there's like us versus them fucking like thing because they're just in the middle of the ocean of people you know what i mean uh there's no going for a piss break or whatever you know what i'm saying it's like you are trapped in a cage it's it's like swimming with sharks uh, almost Mm -hmm. you know so that that's kind of that's kind of interesting but uh before the, (laughs) the the song cowboy he asks uh you know where all the cowboys at where all the cowgirls at? Then he has to hear from everybody, each direction, north, south, the west coast, the east coast. Then he wants to hear from the people from the south again. And then it goes, it goes, and goes. And it goes, and then he finally drops uh, it, and it's Cowboy. And Cowboy is a fucking kick-ass song. And Gary Coleman was in the music video. He had a draw against Joe C. It is a dope-ass song. Yeah, it's good. But it's it's about... Love Cowboy. It's about... 
it's not about like the South or like the old West. It's about coming into like, you know, California with a big new record deal. And, you know, I'm going to start shacking up with models now and shit like that. That's what it's about. It's about like taking the West, but in a modern rock star sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it also has the lyrics uh, chilling the most, which is the name of his cruise. Oh, my God. Kid Rock's chilling the most cruise. So Who else is a, on I that cruise? Friend, uh, it's I'm pro- it, like whatever scraggly <laughs> remaining members of Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, I'm, we you know, know someone who worked on that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Kate worked yeah. on it. And she showed me like she like got paid to like just film B-roll stuff for it. And apparently they were just like handing her shots the entire time, like shots of tequila is just kind of like, damn, All right, as long as you can like still stand up and not break your camera, you know, that's what you it, do with the kid on the, on the boat. It looked fun. It looked fun. David Allen co-played. <laughs> she was telling me about I that back the, in the day. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's a dream. That's a dream cruise right there. Uh, th- but then that's when they go into like a weird little rendition of sweet home, Alabama, where then kid rock ends up like beatboxing over it. And then mm. he, goes over to the turntables and he starts scratching and he's like really tearing it up on the turntables. Cause again, that's part of his roots. That's what he did before he was even a rapper. Um, and they also sample, I believe sweet home Alabama and, uh, was it werewolves? Well, it's, werewolves nah, it's like a, it's an original song, but he just like interpolated like that. And interpolation. London. Okay. And so like, for okay. all, all summer long, the like ultimate, like 2012, like, yeah, there's like a third song that it references too, but I can't remember. No. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll say Cow- uh, Cowboy has the lyrics. Cowboy's got the lyrics not straight out of Compton, but straight out the trailer, which we did debunk that earlier. Yeah, he's hey, not straight it. out the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> and right. it's funny he's that, like, you know, the grass is always pimp. greener. We get it. The grass right, is always right, greener, right. I suppose, you know. But uh, then. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, after he's, you know, scratching all that, he goes over to each person's instrument pretty much and plays it like he plays uh, the guy's guitar. Then he goes over to the keys and then he gets behind the drum set and then he comes back in front uh, of the stage and Joe C comes out dressed as little Jimmy, uh, little you know, Jimmy referencing Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah, he's just got a giant <laughs> afro wig on, and he's wrapped in an American flag, <laughs> and he's right. smoking a joint. He looks cool. <laughs> he looks right. cool. So, so that's the thing is like. I think that <laughs> there probably is some sort of like potential like moral issue where it's like, all right, they're just like, let's make him look like Jimi Hendrix and like, it's the little guy. It's such a novelty. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> think about it this way. Joe, Joe C was born like that, you know? And so it's kind of like, I mean, what the fuck? I have no idea what it'd be like to be born three foot, nine inches. And it would with probably a 10 be foot tick, nonetheless. Tick either, dude. Well, <laughs> but still, I just mean, you're going to be encountering hardships every day. And I mean, Joe C was able to like, I mean, he had, he was able to spin it. You know what I mean? So yeah, you can say it's exploitation, but I don't know. I think it gets deeper than that. Right. Well, I don't, I don't I think, think it's exploitation at all. They were like best it. friends. They were yeah. Defi- yeah. They no. were definitely friends. Yeah. They, they were, they were, they were best friends. Show. And then, yeah. so Kid Rock then goes around and he, like they're doing this big, you know, long drawn out ender, uh, you know, everyone's ringing out and he points at everyone uh, and they do like hit. So, you know, he points to the guitarist, you know, chug points to the drummer, bam, points to DJ, Grunt, you know what I mean? And he's going around and everyone's doing this crazy thing. It sounds kind of cool and everyone's really on point. But when he gets to Joe C and points at him to do a sound, uh, Joe C uh, at first just says motherfucker um but then the next time he gets to him and he points to him to do his little sound he says this checklist. 90s checklist check austin powers <laughs> so, check yeah <laughs> God, I, like i i wonder like because that movie was a huge deal for me but <laughs> I'm going to like pull my old man card. Like do kids do like, do people know what Austin powers is anymore? Cause like that, like completely like burnt through our cultural cycle. Like, I don't know if like a 15 year old. No, you know, I think like the next, like the next generation had, well, they had like Napoleon dynamite would be like the next big, like, on a Which t-shirt is, quote everywhere. It's very thing. like anti Austin powers when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, yeah. very different approach to anything oh, yeah. about it. Well, there's a so. there's an Austin Powers bar that opened up out here. I'm not sure if it's still open or not, oh, but my God. it was like all God. themed out like Austin Powers, yeah. 
Um, so uh, then they, you know, they're, they're ringing out. He picks up still. a camcorder. He picks up a camcorder. Oh yeah, he picks up a camcorder and another another checklist, and he's filming the crowd, getting everyone amped while the while the band's still ringing. <laughs> and then he tells everyone, he says, "Okay, throw your fucking trash at the stage for this last part when the song kicks in." He's like, "Nothing that'll hurt anyone." Uh, and then, fucking you know, we, we, here's here's what it sounds like, real quick. Now, when we kick this beat in for the last time, I want to see every possible thing flying through the fucking air. But nothing that can hurt each other. Just plastic bottles, let's have some fucking fun, y'all. Are you ready? Let's get it going, y'all. Oh, shit. What the fuck? So when that song kicks in, there is a fucking rain of garbage. Uh, we've really only seen that, like, heavy during The Offspring. Uh, but with Kid, I mean, it's... When they're told to do it, it's way crazier. Like, there are literally thousands it looks of bottles wild. flying. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. But nothing's hurting yeah. anyone. And you see Joe C, like, kind of hiding. And, he, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, he says into the yeah. mic and shit. Uh, and, and it's fucking crazy. And then they end the set. And and this, this is a huge end. So I have it in my notes that essentially this is like a six-minute long outro. Like, you know, you... You might see a band and they kind of ring it out like blah, like making lots of noise. And then they do a fake out and then they do it again or something. And it lasts like 45 seconds. Like, I mean, this is seriously like six minutes. Yeah, it's very, very long. This is like when you see fireworks at the 4th of July and then like there's always the grand finale. And it's just a shit ton more fireworks than before. (laughs) It's just it's insane. It's just like six minutes dedicated to like ending if you weren't impressed yet like now is the time right and yeah and they fucking and they killed it and the stage is like absolutely fucking covered you know what i mean which is is scary to think about how persuasive he was right yeah what if he said well we'll we'll run into this problem later in the day with uh, some other bands uh where yeah you got to watch what you say up there but uh, so then they're done, and then uh, you don't see him come back out because the pay per view. What what would happen most of the time is they watch the band walk out, and then it pulls out and just shows like the crowd kind of shifting around. Um, but you can always hear what what's being said on stage. And Kuzumano, uh, you can hear him. He comes back out, and he sounds like so scared. Uh, here, check it out really quick. Let's hear it again for Kid Rock. Just a total wimp. Uh, <laughs> don't yeah, throw anything he's, scary. He's like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's like a just a complete nervous laughter of like, don't throw anything scary. And yeah, first I I love it because it is at the very end of this video, and so it's like if you couldn't, if this video couldn't be more jam packed, it's like as the audio is fading. You hear Kuzumano making this just like kind of terrified laughter. Yeah. Um, to, well, to just have... in this like action packed set. Or is, is that right. not the end? I mean, it's no, 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 till the very th- end. But... No, that, that is the that, that's it, man. Right. But uh, I have on, on yeah. good authority that there were people throwing scary shit. Uh, the Spin magazine coverage says that people were throwing batteries, uh, full mm. bottles, uh, and things that they were sneaking in. And rocks was a big one that everyone wanted that, to throw. That would hurt. Yeah, so like in I the midst, it would be really tempting to uh, just throw something beside. It's like because people would right, fill up the bottles, throw empty plastic. Well, people would like fill up the bottles with like dirt and shit, so they'd be heavy enough to reach the stage. So it's yeah. like fucking insane. But that and that's kid's it. Gone. He's like, it's not my problem. Yep. Nope. And then some poor guy has to come out and, and sweep it all up. Uh, but that was the Kid Rock set, the legendary Kid Rock uh, set from Woodstock '99. <laughs> it's uh it's a good one it's actually one of the wow. best ones I, I feel like worth watching but also uh again it's he's up for best in show for this the it they killed it they they really killed it and it set the bar really fucking high for the rest of the day and i feel like when like later in the day once you get to some of the harder bands again because there's going to be a whole big chunk here in the day where it's all just stinker sleeper stuff uh but then once it picks up again it's like okay like 
you saw what Kid Rock did. Like, we got to fucking bring it. And it gets a brought in. But, uh, yeah. So, also, uh, I mentioned earlier that we did do a, uh, an episode exclusively for our Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash culture dumps. And it's all about the Limp, the Limpopolis tour, uh, which was the Limp Bizkit Kid Rock tour. It was, it was a countrywide thing. Um, I think, and they just did, like, a world tour before. But MTV used to have a show called MTV Tour Diaries. And we found it on, on YouTube. So we did a whole coverage on that. So please subscribe to our Patreon. It really helps us out. And it allows us to bring you more amazing Woodstock 99 related content. Uh, so without uh, keeping it going on, I'm Ryan Lichten. I was here with Parks Miller and Josh Evans. We'd like to thank Gray Holger at Contradict Sound for all of his technical assistance. If you went to, worked at, or played at Woodstock 99, we'd love to talk to you. Contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.